and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. Author Faith Pierce never wanted to work in horror, but after experiencing a recurring nightmare that she couldn't get out of her head, she decided to turn it into a short story. That story evolved over the years into The Face You Wear, her debut novel, set to be released on August 12th through Crystal Lake Publishing. Faith and I spend time with the nightmare itself and how she built on this to become a complete story. We look at Jaina and Michael, how the two play off one another, and the ways they react to the building tension. We talk editing and how this changed the story, and the all-important question, will there be more? The soon-to-be-released novel, The Face You Wear, is coming out on August 12th through our good friends at Crystal Lake Publishing, and the author, Faith Pierce, is right here. Faith, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, So why don't we start by giving us a quick overview about the book itself? Sure. Um, So the main character, Jana, um, she is recently married and she starts having um, strange dreams about her husband, Michael, and uh, just kind of gradually starts to suspect that maybe they're not really dreams. Maybe they're really happening. Um, Starts to suspect that maybe he's lying to her about them or that something else is happening. Um, So just kind of a gradual escalation of not knowing whether the things she's dreaming about are real or not. Which I gotta say is absolutely terrifying because how often have I woken <laughs> up to think, wait, I think I heard something or I think I see something and it's always nothing, but still the mind kind of wanders. And I'm uh, three chapters into this book right now and you start off at a very, very good clip here with immediately like, okay, she thinks her husband's in bed with her. Wakes up the uh, next day. Nope, he was never there, or he or he was there <laughs> a lot sooner, or he never moved. And, jeez, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all had you know those those dreams or like conversations that we dreamt about, and then the next day, um, walked around at least for a little while under the illusion that that really happened, and then we have a conversation and realize that it didn't, and that's always like extremely dis disorienting um so yeah that's basically happening to her every night now <laughs> oh my god you, you, you could have picked a scarier concept because i think we've all been there but where did the idea for this whole thing come from so the very first dream in the book actually it was an actual dream that i had um i had <laughs> uh i my part my ex-partner and i Uh, I had recently started living together and I had this dream where I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning. I sat up and he was standing there in the doorway and I was wondering why he was coming to bed so late, but I was really tired and I laid back down and I went to sleep. And (laughs) the next day I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, why did you come to bed at four o'clock in the morning? And he was like, I was in bed at midnight. Um, So then I was just like, blew my mind. <laughs> and um, from there, the, the idea kind of just grew like a, a lot of what ifs. And, you know, I came up with this character that this could be happening to and all these other scenarios of, of a woman like thinking that these things were happening with her husband and then talking to her the next day and realizing that they weren't. Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Not having it. Good night, everyone. <laughs> we're done. The hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but- yeah. What's that like uh, basically taking your own nightmares and making them into a story? Does does that make it a little easier to kind of just feel everything and like flush it out? Um, I mean, for me, it was interesting because I never I never had planned on writing horror before then, for, for one thing. Um, and 
so that was my first attempt at writing horror. And, and I, I, since then I've written a bunch of several short stories in the genre, but, um, but I, I wrote this first and initially it was kind of like just to get the dream out of my head almost and get all these ideas out of my head. But because it was something that I had dreamed about, I think it made it scarier for me. And I actually scared the crap out of myself writing this book several times. Uh, and, and also had nightmares as I was writing it. <laughs> wow, you really dove in. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever want to stop, especially given how much this kind of freaked you out? No. No, I kind of enjoyed it in a weird way. And, like, by the end of it, like, when I when I decided to write horror, I took a deep dive into the genre as well and started reading a ton of it and watching a ton of it. You know, I wasn't going to write in something that, you know, I wasn't familiar with. Um, so at this point, I like a lot of horror writers. I'm, I'm like really dead into it now. Um, so I nothing like it's really hard for anything to freak me out anymore, which is kind of sad in a way. You miss that like that fear that you used to get um, watching and reading and reading horror, um, but I don't really get that anymore. Uh, so by the end of it, I guess I stopped being scared of it, <laughs> and writing kind of helped do get me there. Okay, uh, favorite horror book and movie? Oh my gosh, I can never pick favorites. Like, it stresses me out. If my son asks me, like, hey, is pizza your favorite food? I'm like, please don't ask me that. <laughs> then I feel like I'm committing to pizza for the rest of my life. And what about the other food? Uh, <laughs> I'm terrible at picking favorites. But um, I guess off the top of my head, I won't say it's my favorite, but one of the horror movies I've watched the most is Cabin in the Woods. I just find it. Uh, I, I love that movie. I, yeah. <laughs> I could watch it, that movie all funny. day long. Yes. Yeah. I watched, I've watched it many, many times. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, right now I am reading, I am reading Little Eve. <laughs> I have been in um, a stretch where I have started like a dozen books and uh, keep jumping around. I am super distracted right now, but uh, I'm really enjoying that one. I'm about halfway through. It's my first Catcher on Award. Um, and all, I think all of her books are on my list because they all sound really good. Um, but when I started reading this one, I started being like kind of annoyed that I'm reading it in the summer because it's got like this, I'm like, I should be reading this in the winter. It's like the setting, it's got like this gothic atmosphere and I, yeah, and, and it's a hundred degrees and bright and sunny. And I really feel like I should be reading it on a cold winter day, but it's still, it's still good. And I'm still enjoying it. Nice. Nice. For me, I would say the horror author that jumps out to mind is, of course, uh, Stephen King. You know, of course, you know, one of the best. Yes. Uh, but Bentley Little is a really good horror writer. His stuff is Ah, that um, and Bracken McLeod. He does some really good horror. His stuff is fantastic. When it came, though, to diving into the genre, did you ever think, hmm, maybe I should write this kind of book instead or that kind of book instead? Did it kind of give you ideas for other stories? Yeah, um, I, I definitely like the idea of writing in a variety of genres. Um, I mean, I see myself kind of jumping around with dark fantasy, but I actually started um, a short story collection like I have like a whole theme in my head that'll be, it'll be my first non-speculative fiction. Like it's, it's just like straight up fiction, um, like general fiction, I guess you would call it. So that's, that's new for me. Um, so yeah, I do kind of jump around quite a bit. Um, although when it comes, when it came to diving into the genre, one of the people I started with was Shirley Jackson and I was 
one of the things I really loved about her was that she did that. You know, she wrote about, she wrote about ghosts or she wrote about her kids. She wrote about kind of whatever she wanted. Um, so, uh, I kind of like that independence. All right. So you mentioned before that this novel was written before your other uh, short stories. What happened that made this one get kind of put aside? Um, so it wasn't necessarily that it got put aside. It's, it's just taken a long time to get to the publishing process. So, First of all, I initially wrote it as a short story and tried um, submitting it that way. And then um, it got rejected a couple, actually maybe only one, I think I may have only submitted at one one place and it got rejected. Um, and based on the feedback, I realized there was a lot more there. You know, they had, a, they were nice enough to provide detailed feedback and talked about all the questions they were left with. And I was like, wow, in order to answer all of this, I, I really need to flesh this out. And um So I turned it into a novel, and uh, that took me, uh, I don't know, about six months to a year, I think. Um, And I finished it by the end of, was it 2020, I guess, or 2019. So it's been a while because, um, so I finished it a couple of years ago and started submitting it. Um, and that, that was just a really long process. So then as I was submitting it places and, and trying to find a publisher, I wrote other short stories. So the rejection is actually what led to this becoming the full-length novel. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I sent it to uh, Pseudopod, actually, and they um, they were nice enough to send back like detailed detailed feedback in their rejection that um, that was really helpful. And again, made me made me realize there was a lot more to the story that I hadn't hadn't put on the page. You should uh, dedicate the book to them, saying, "Without these guys, this thing would never have happened." <laughs> Because it's, it's true. It's yeah, true. I got it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge help. I mean, not a lot of places will give you, um, you know, detailed feedback in the rejections, which is totally understandable. I mean, they get tons and tons of submissions. It, it's very time consuming, obviously, but them taking the time to do that was, was really helpful to me as a, a brand new writer. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's some kind of like form letter saying, thank you for your submission. But at this time, we're not going to, we're not going to pursue this. Best of luck in your future ventures. <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. All Which right. again, understandable, but when people take the time to do that, it can make a big difference. Oh, in in this case, it definitely made a huge difference. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, talking about publishers, uh, how did you come to the attention of Crystal Lake, and what's it been like working with them? Uh, it's been great working with them. Uh, Joe is super responsive and helpful, and um, you know, I I always have tons of questions because uh, <laughs> this is my first time through the process. So I think when he you know first sent me the contract, I probably responded with an email with like twenty questions or something like that. And he's always super patient and uh, and helpful. Um, so they've been really great to work with. Um, as far as like how I went about it, gosh, I, I started off like trying to get an agent um, because I read that like most publishers require you to have an agent to even submit. So I started off with sending it to agents. And when I got to, I think, 50 agent rejections, which was fun, um, that's when I <laughs> decided to move away from that uh, that approach and dive into um, like indie publishers and, you know, from the very beginning, I was kind of torn on like, do I, do I even want an agent or do I want to work directly with a publisher? I wasn't really sure which the best route was. So um, when the agent thing, like I said, when I got to 50 rejections, that was kind of like my line to say, okay, now it's time to try, you know, the, the smaller publishers who will take an unagented submitted submission 
um, we'll, we'll go that route. And as far as like how I found them, um, social media, pretty much like I scoured Twitter lists and followed other writers and, and looked for, um, helpful resources and things like that. And, um, you know, Crystal Lake pops up over and over again as, as a publisher that's great to work with and that puts out good work. How does it feel to have this done? You know, this is your debut novel, uh, the thing you began writing years ago. How does it feel to have it finished and about to be released to the whole world? There's definitely a part of me that just keeps expecting that not to happen. <laughs> I know it's like, even though we're already there and obviously it is happening, um, it's it's been such a long process that there is a part of me that's like, it. I mean, maybe it'll go out there. <laughs> um, but uh, it feels good. It, it definitely, I'm very excited to, it feels like a, a big milestone, something that, you know, I've been trying to achieve for a long time. Um, so being able to, to achieve the goal that you've had for that long is, is definitely a great feeling. Are you planning any kind of book tours, signings, readings? Um, I'm still trying to figure out what all I'm doing, but I think mostly, uh, mostly online stuff, <laughs> um, you know, doing podcast interviews, um, blog posts, uh, written interviews, social media posts, and things like that. What have people been most curious about? Um, I mean, when, well, when people have actually read it, they always have questions about the end. Um, and I can't really get into it, uh, but people tend to have a really strong reaction about the ending um, and sometimes yell at me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, so... Yeah, I'll be interested to see how people feel about it. Uh, but that is definitely what I get the most questions about um, from from people who have read the whole book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the the ending, I feel like, either can make or break a book because that's what you've been sort of, like, investing into. And then you get to it, and either it's like, <laughs> oh, man, that was such a cool, you know, it was totally worth, you know, the however many hours I read this thing. Or it's, wow, that was a waste of my time. Yeah, and with horror especially, you know, because almost any, you know, horror setup, you're like, okay, well, it could be this or it could be this. Maybe you've got, you know, three or four options that it could be. And, um, and yeah, it's, but trying to think of how to talk about it without spoiling anything. <laughs> People tend to have a strong reaction to the, to the ending of this, of this book. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that. <laughs> you know, I think that's a good thing, whether they like it or don't like it, yeah. that it's getting that kind of reaction. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I'm, I'm usually pretty comfortable with um, even negative feedback. I feel like when you write horror, like if you're getting a strong reaction, you're probably you're doing something right. Exactly. All right. Let's dive back into the story because I want to talk a lot about this without giving away spoilers. No spoilers. Got to get the book. <laughs> Who is Jaina? Tell me a little bit, a bit more about her character. Sure. So um, she's somebody that's had a rough background. Um, she's she's been through a lot. Um, she's worked really hard to get where she is in life. You know, she grew up really poor, um, not having access to a lot of resources, you know, had a mom that was struggling with a lot of mental health problems and didn't have the resources that they needed, um, to cope with that. And so she's kind of built herself a life, you know, telling herself that she could have something different and everything is going to be okay now. And, you know, she's got, she's newly married. She has a house, a career that she likes. So she's getting settled in. Um, so she's somebody for whom like having these kinds of dreams is like the last thing that she needed right now. You know, <laughs> she's like, everything is going good. I, I've, I've gotten where I want to be. 
Um, so to have her perceptions of reality kind of called into question is, uh, is not something she can cope with very easily. Oh yeah, I'll bet. And, and I really love like the psychological part of this, that it's not just a straight up, okay, immediately ghost shows up, you know, play with a little bit here. Like, okay, is she actually dreaming it? Is it just all in her head? As you mentioned, her mother had a lot of problems. She herself has gone through a lot. How does she begin to question herself, whether this is all just, you know, up in her head? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, she's her her own worst enemy there because she's so committed to having this um, kind of perfect life that she's built that she can't handle any cracks appearing in the surface. So she wants to kind of continue on like everything is okay and really kind of lets a lot of things go that maybe somebody who's more confident or comfortable with themselves would would be able to question more openly with her it's like she has to kind of ignore things and and maintain this perfection that she's built as as much as she possibly can how about michael her husband how does he react to what she's going through um a lot of times he's kind of you know he doesn't take it seriously um, you know, he thinks, you know, she's having weird dreams and she's, she keeps accusing me of things is kind of the impression that he gives. Um, he kind of dismisses her fears and, or laughs it off. Um, and which becomes a problem as, as the dreams get more and more serious and get even physical at times. And he's continuing to be dismissive of what's happening. Um, that adds to a lot of tension between them where she starts to question, is he really as kind and perfect as I thought he was? If he's sitting here being so dismissive of something that's obviously freaking me out, like maybe he's not who I thought he was. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe uh, even early on that Michael is the, he's the jokester, he's the lighthearted guy. Mm -hmm. Again, the kind of that balance to Jaina, you know, he's, trying to kind of even things out. But yeah, I can see him not taking this seriously. I mean, even again, in chapter three, he's still like, whatever, you know, he jokes about things. You know, she accuses him flat out of doing things. and He's laughs in her face, which pisses her off even more. <laughs> yeah, which, um, I mean, adds to the tension between them because because he's so like easygoing and, and lighthearted about it, it makes her feel like she has to pretend to be the same. And it makes her feel... Um, like he finds her fears or anxieties ridiculous, which um, is something that, that definitely adds to the, the tension between them. I'm curious as to what his role in the book is other than sort of a, a contrarian person for, uh, for Jana. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael is, he's in his early thirties, you know, he's, he just got married. So in his mind, you know, they're kind of starting their lives together. He's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life like a lot of people at that age, he's trying to figure out his career, um, decide, you know, when they want to have kids and things like that. So he's kind of, you know, focusing on, on normal life and, and just what's next for them. And I think that these weird dreams and, and things like that are for him, just a distraction is, is kind of how he acts. Um, how does it begin to affect her as things progress? Um, well, increasingly, I mean, she, she really goes back and forth a lot about what she thinks is going on. Um, you know, there are times that she, she believes that, okay, it must be in my head because the alternative is what, that my husband is playing this complex 
prank on me just to make me think that I'm insane. Um, or, you know, eventually as, as the dreams kind of escalate and, um, like I said, become like more physical and things, there are actually, you know, things that happen like, um, an object being moved, that kind of thing that, that makes them say, okay, well, maybe this isn't in my head and maybe it isn't Michael either. Maybe there's some, you know, third party, maybe I have a stalker, maybe there's something else going on that we hadn't considered. Um, so then, so it's just kind of like this back and forth of like trying to figure out what's actually happening. Um, and all the while kind of questioning herself and her own sanity and whether or not she can even trust herself. Or her husband. <laughs> How do you keep the pressure on in a book like this without it becoming too, uh, too much? Uh, good question. I mean, as I was initially writing it, I definitely found myself feeling like, okay, well, I'm writing a dream and then a dream and then a dream, you know, and it, it was like, okay, this is like one scene after another. Um, but I kind of write all over the place. Um, so I'll write something in the middle, something in the beginning, something in the end. So even though in my first pass through, like, I, I think I thought of all the tense scenes first <laughs> and that's kind of what made it into in on paper first where, you know, one tense scene after another. So then in editing and going back through, it's like, okay, well, what happens in between? So you have to, you have to kind of connect those scenes and, um, and add just, you know, there's real life in between them. There's the day to day, there's, you know, the conversations that happen between her and Michael and interactions with her sister and, and her work and things like that. So, um, so there's definitely, I mean, I think that adds to the balance, um, when you kind of go back through and add what else is happening in her life. Um, so you have that kind of rise and fall steadily of, okay, here's a tense scene, but then here's what happened in between that and the other and the next stream. <laughs> Did it take a while to world build this thing, either with the people or with the events, especially because you, know, you had like the one dream, but you're going to build off that. Um, not really. I mean, as far as. I think that this book almost has a like a claustrophobic feel in having a small a small cast and a small setting. Uh, almost the entire book happens inside their house. Um, so and the characters, you know, I definitely put some time into building them out and having, you know, their backstories and things like that. But I wouldn't say it took a ton of world building um, just because it is that really small focus uh, this like almost a snapshot of, you know, a few months of their lives and almost entirely in this, this one house and happening between almost mostly between two people with, you know, occasional interactions with her sister and, and coworkers and things like and a few other people. I love her sister. Her sister is amazing. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah. I liked her a lot too. I felt like she, uh, she balances out Jana nicely as well, and, uh, and she's a fun character to write. Do any of the characters reflect folks you know in real life? Um, I mean, I think that all writers, we steal traits, <laughs> at the very least. Um, you know, we steal traits. We, we might steal um, an appearance. We might steal, you know, different aspects, you know, pieces of people's background, even if you're not intending to, it, it happens. I, I'm sure you've heard, you know, 
a lot of people say writers are like magpies. We still, we collect shiny things and it finds their way <laughs> into our writing. Um, so I, I definitely try not to like do anything, um, like exact, you know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to take somebody's appearance and entire personality and background, but I'm sure I might steal, you know, a trait from them and something from someone else. You know, one thing I was curious about, uh, going back to the nightmare that was the origin for this book, as you were going yeah. along, did you have a hard time writing it because the things were just so close to home? Um, well, thankfully, like, I nothing that was happening in the book was happening in my life as far as, like, I didn't have any more, like, really bad dreams about my, my partner at the time, and I never suspected that he was driving me insane. <laughs> um, so uh, it wasn't, it wasn't too close to home in that regard. Um, so it, no, I, it wasn't too bad. It was, I think for me, it was more like just picturing the what if, you know, there's a scene where um, she's coming out of the bathroom and she thinks that she sees as she's turning off her bathroom light, she thinks she sees a man standing in the corner of her bedroom in that like flickering moment uh, as the light is turning off. And when she turns it back on, he's not there. And that was the kind of image that like kind of stayed with me. So anytime I was coming out of the bathroom into my, my bedroom, I was looking at that spot in my own bedroom <laughs> um, and just thinking about that image. Um, so that kind of thing stuck with me. Going to bed tonight is going to suck. This is going to be hard to get out of my head. <laughs> have people had the same reaction to this? Like people who have read this already? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, um, one of my sisters is kind of was reading it as I wrote. Um, and she is, she's like the best alpha reader that you can get. Cause just cause she has strong reactions to everything. <laughs> um, so she, yeah, she would be texting me as she read, you know, Oh my God, Faith, what is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> which is exactly what you want to hear as a horror writer, honestly. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely got comments like that. Uh, one of the reviewers who read it was um, saying that, she got freaked out because she saw a car drive slowly by her house that looked like her husband's car. And, and so it had gotten into her head and, and was freaking her out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely people who have read it. And there's one scene in particular that almost everybody points out as like this was the creepiest moment in the book. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like people tend to have a strong reaction to it which is encouraging <laughs> it didn't only scare me i guess <laughs> well that's encouraging that's very encouraging yeah <laughs> now i know the horror was something you weren't really into for a long time and then of course this happened and you just dove right into the right into the rabbit hole what about it did yeah. you like i love taking things that are bothering me i guess or that i can't get out of my head or just what if questions you know and and just unraveling them and and kind of following um those threads you know what if whether you know there's so many questions <laughs> that humans can't possibly answer about our existence about how the world works about what else might be out there about what humans are capable of um, and the horror genre is is one where you can you can kind of follow those threads as far as you want to go and uh, and really explore those questions of what if this, what if that? And I think it's a, a really for me, it's almost a therapeutic way of kind of grappling with with fears and questions and the unknown.
as you mentioned earlier, you have done a number of short stories as well that were published before uh, this book. Did these help yep. you as a writer, either giving you ideas or just developing your craft a little more? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I I believe there's no such thing as a wasted, you know, wasted words, even if you don't end up finishing it, even if you don't end up pub publishing it. Um, you know, writing, I, I hope that everything I write makes me a little bit better. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have for every finished published short story I have, I have at least, you know, 10 unfinished ones. Um, and I think, I think they all help in their own way. Um, I, I tend to jump around quite a bit as far as what themes I'm tackling, you know, um, sometimes there's supernatural elements, sometimes there's not. Um, sometimes it has, you know, my, my short story body list has like almost a weird sci-fi vibe to it. It's very, um, uh, otherworldly. Um, it's definitely a weird one that doesn't have like the setting is very, very odd as compared to this book where it's just like a normal, you know, St. Louis suburb. Um, so, so yeah, I think I, I jump around quite a bit there and learn something from each one. Oh, I'll bet. Every writer I've ever spoken to, same thing. They'll say, like, yeah, this book's done. I got another, like, half dozen just kind of, like, ready to go <laughs> or ideas I'm kind of playing around with. Now that this yeah. one's done, do you have a book, two in mind? Do you have other ideas you want to pursue? Yeah, I have. Um, so I have another book that I've been working on for uh, probably at least over a year. It's been I, – I keep – I keep allowing myself to be distracted from it and, and working on other things because I get stuck. I'm uh, I'm not a very organized writer. I don't, I'm not good about plotting or outlining. So I, I get to points in books sometimes or, or even in short stories where I'm like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to put you away for a little while and <laughs> try to untangle this later. Um, so I am probably a little over halfway through another book that is, it's an odd one. It's probably like a mashup of horror and sci-fi and fantasy. Um, like it deals with virtual reality, but maybe also ancient gods. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's going to be a little bit different. Your sister, you mentioned that she was the best like alpha reader you, you can ask for. Did she have any um, any reactions or feedback that really influenced the story's direction? Oh, um, no. I think with her, like, um, she was she was definitely just like a cheerleader, which was really, really helpful for me with my first book. Um, I feel really lucky to have that kind of support. Um, she mostly just kept on like demanding for me to write more, <laughs> you know, she would, she would get like uh, a piece of it and um, want to know what happened next. And that was really, uh, really helpful. And I guess, I guess one thing she did influence was just giving me the confidence to let Jana be Jana um, because Jana is a little bit hard to take sometimes. <laughs> she's a, you know, she's a very anxious person and you're being in her head. And, um, you know, I, I definitely had readers afterwards who would feel a little bit impatient with her at times. Like, why is she worrying about this? And, um, which is understandable because again, she, she can be kind of a lot. <laughs> she's a, she's kind of an uptight person. Um, and, uh, but my sister, as as she was reading it, would say things like, you know, I totally relate to this. I totally get this. I, I feel for her on this. And so it was kind of just, um, I guess, confirmation that she would at least connect with some people. And it's okay that not everybody would like her. Um, 
So that that was definitely helpful. Were there any major revisions or changes during the writing or editing process? Um, I edit as I go. So um, I, I know a lot of people say not to do that, but I, I always, I, I do. <laughs> um, I tend to underwrite quite a bit. I mean, clearly I tried to sell this as a 4,000 word short story. Um, <laughs> so uh, my first time through something, a lot of times I am way too brief. Um, so then I have to go back through and kind of flesh it out. Um, so the result of that is that I don't tend to have huge major cuts. Um, I, I end up adding when I'm editing. I have to like fill in all the gaps. Do you think this is kind of a one-off or do you think you're going to keep, you know, seeing what new nightmares you can create? Um, I mean, I definitely see myself continue, even if I write in other genres, I think I'll always come back to horror. Um, I've, I've really fallen in love with the genre. I, I, read it probably over half of the books I read now are, are horror. Um, and I, and I enjoy it a lot. So even if I write, um, you know, regular fiction or, uh, sci-fi or fantasy, I think they'll, I think those horror elements will at least show up quite a lot, quite a bit. Um, and I could definitely see myself writing more straight up horror as well. I certainly hope so. I really do because this is a really <laughs> powerful book very real and we've all had it and sure. like i said sleep tonight will not come easy but that's okay because it's a damn good book <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome yeah, i love uh, i love dream horror in general and just the uh, playing with reality and things like that is it's always been really intriguing to me that should be on your on your uh, business card playing with reality <laughs> yes all right well faith thank you so much for uh, speaking to me i've really appreciated this and August 12th through Crystal Lake Publishing. You know where to go. Go get it. Get it in print, ebook. If you've got a local bookstore, go there and ask them to get it for you. That's what they do. And you can go to faithepierce.com for more information. Faith will hopefully be talking real soon for the next book. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. What's going on? This is Brian Murphy from One Time Mountain, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout with Max Bowen. Rock on. And that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Faith for joining me. And once again, August 12th, the book is out there. Be sure to get your copy. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check this show out wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.